Well, Happy New Year again. <laughs> and uh, just uh, so we cover all the bases, uh, Pamela and I do extend to all of you our hope and prayers for a blessed and healthy new year. Now, here we are, Sunday, and it's New Year's Day. You'll remember last Sunday was Christmas Day. We were reminded that this happens like once every seven years, except on leap year, and then there's an 11-year hiatus in between the two. It's sort of called double jeopardy for pastors. Uh, preaching on those two Sundays is somewhat like trying to pick up jello with your fingers when it comes to trying to hold your attention. And uh, you might remember last week, uh, David took the special privilege of giving you a 10-minute Christmas devotional for the sermon. And I said, how many of those are available? Can I get one? <laughs> and he said, no, that's not available. So today, uh, you're going to get the full meal deal. <laughs> if you've been around Protestant churches or Presbyterian churches very long, there's a couple of sayings that uh, you have heard, and I'd just like to remind you of them this morning. Uh, Nate alluded to one of them. One of them is that while we do not know what 2023 holds, we do know who holds 2023, and we do know who holds us during 2023. The second thing that you've probably heard is this. When you're reading your Bible, if you come to the word therefore, you need to stop there and see what the word therefore is there for. <laughs> All right, Let's snap out of it. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to try to do both of those this morning as uh, I approach the subject under the title of Mindset 23. You're going to find uh, an outline for this on panel six, something different to see if you're paying attention, not panel five, but the outline is on panel six. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will 
and to act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold forth the word of life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you gave us this word to speak to us, inspired by your spirit, and now by that same spirit. Open our ears and our hearts that we might hear you, not only physically, but spiritually, that you might intervene into our lives to make us more like Christ. Make it a real experience, transforming and changing, that we might be made more like Christ. We ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it seems to me that the therefore in verse 12 is there to point us directly back to verse 5 and the question that is implied there about having the mindset of Christ. In fact, it's more like a command when he tells us in verse 5 that we are to have the mindset, the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I could use a lot more of the mindset of Christ Jesus in my life. And there is nothing like the Christmas holidays and everything that goes with them, with family and with friends and pressure and everything else, to convince me that I need more of the mindset of Jesus. I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure I could say this without error, that there's not a single person in this room that didn't gain weight during the last holidays. If you are, stand up, and we'll immediately have an inquisition to find out exactly if that's true. But there are a few rough patches in uh, relationships and things in my personal life, my family, extended family life, that reminded me in all those things, the way I live my life, in all my relationships, that I need more of the mindset of my Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, what do you need for mindset 23? What do you need for this mindset of Christ in 2023? Well, it seems obvious to me that the first thing that we need is an activity. And that activity is explained to us by Paul in verses 12 and 13. And that activity for Mindset 23 is the activity of discipleship, the activity, if you would, of sanctification. He says, hey, Philippians, you people, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. The Lord's given you salvation. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He gave you the gift of faith. You're justified, you were adopted 
You're in the process of sanctification. You're one of his. You've got it. Now continue, if you would, to work it out. It's very interesting. It implies clearly, as we look at it, two things. And the first is that we have a part in that. You, he says, continue to work it out. It's sort of like after the Christmas holidays, you can go out and buy a Peloton, and you can go out and join a gym. But if you don't pedal the Peloton, and if you don't go to the gym, there will be no results. There will be no change. The effect that you wanted to happen will not happen. And so we have a part in this whole work of sanctification. We're told in John chapter 15 that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and repeated throughout that chapter over and over again, our part is reiterated. He said, you abide, stay, remain in the vine. And so our part is clearly there. The instructions are not neglected, whether it's on a Peloton or at the gym. The Word of God says it over and over again. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Pray without ceasing. Always give thanks. Hide the Word in your heart. And on and on and on. There's no lack of instructions of what our part, if you would, is composed of. So if we're going to grow up into our salvation, we need to show up to do our part. In the uh, military, which I have alluded to a time or two in the past, uh, every unit company size, or generally maybe even smaller, had a training schedule. And that training schedule said, this is what you're supposed to be doing these hours during the day. And all you dreaded was to have an inspector come down from battalion or something and say, I've looked at your training schedule. You're supposed to be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Well, 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 well. well the reason we're not doing this is I had so many tanks that were down and we needed to go to the... Now your training schedule says do this. Now, one of the first things that was on that training schedule was PT, better known as physical training. The Daily Dozen and uh, a bunch of running that went with it. Of course, Reveille and Roll Call all came before that. But then there was PT early on. And um, it was led either by the platoon leader or the company commander. And uh, it was a command performance. And you did it. You did all the calisthenics. You did all the running. And you finished that race, whether you ran or whether you walked or whether you crawled across the finish line. You had to complete it. It was a requirement. And if you didn't complete it, things didn't get better. They just got worse. And there was just more of it. And so in that analogy, while we have a part in this, we also have a partner. What does Paul say? Who is at work in you? God is at work in you to will and to act. We don't have some virtual figure on the screen in front of us. We have a real person that's gone before us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our pioneer and our perfecter, our example has gone before us. 
we have not only a part, but we have a partner. Again, alluding to John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And who's the partner? It's my father. He's the vine dresser. He's the one that comes along and prunes the vine and cuts off the branches and aren't fruitful so the, the vine can be more fruitful. I mean, personally, have you heard the snippers in your life in 2022? I have. Your partner's at work making you, making me more fruitful in this activity, if you would, of discipleship, this activity of sanctification. We also note that Jesus underwent discipleship, maybe in a very, really extreme way. That's the way his ministry got kicked off. Immediately after he was baptized, the scriptures say he was led, compelled, if you would, by the Spirit into the desert to be tried or tested by the devil. That was discipleship. That was a test in preparation for the great test that would come. For after that passage, it says, and the devil withdrew and waited for a more opportune time. I believe that opportune time came in Gethsemane when he would be tempted to lay aside what was charged to him by the Father. And he would not lay it aside, but because he had been discipled, he was willing to do the Father's will, not his own will. And as a passage in Philippians said, he became humble and obedient even unto death. And there's this verse in Hebrews 5, 8, that I've pondered for years and never really figured out, where it says, even though he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. You think about that for a minute. When you're suffering something, I don't know what it is, or when it is, or where it'll be, but there's some obedience to trusting God that is in that for you. It is not an empty, pointless experience. And so, we need this activity of discipleship, or sanctification, if you would, for mindset 23. Now, considering who our partner in this activity is, what's clear that we need next for mindset 23 is an attitude. And that attitude is simply humble submission. That's the example of the attitude of Jesus that goes before this in this passage. He humbled himself and became obedient. It's impossible to grasp the depth of humility to which Christ, the creator of the universe, hangs on a tree that he created and died an agonizing death he didn't deserve. In total submission and humility, when he could have mustered, if you would, legions of angels and even affected his own rescue, but he did not. He humbled himself and became obedient. And so our attitude should be similar. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time, in his time, when he's ready to lift you up. 
But in the Christian life, the life of discipleship, it is always true that the way up starts on the way down. It starts with difficulty. It starts with testing. It starts with trying. I mean, all good training starts that way. All good training that's to move you to maturity or anything that you want to call it begins that way. Why is it humble submission? Think about this. Think about who is at work in you. God's at work in you to will and to act. It's like being trained by an expert. You remember the movie Karate Kid when uh, Daniel's being trained by Mr. Miyagi to learn how to do his uh, karate and defend himself. And Mr. Miyagi has him waxing cars, wax on, wax off. And Daniel, all he's doing is grumbling and complaining. What is this for? Is this any good? You didn't do this. I didn't do this just to wax your stupid car. I want to learn. He said, you need to do this. And Daniel keeps grumbling. And Daniel keeps complaining. I think that's sort of our nature. But we're told to do this whole work of working on our salvation and sanctification without grumbling and without complaining. In the bottom line, it's sort of really that attitude that I know better. You know, it's a common problem. I sort of summarize it like this. Teenagers say, well, I'm not so sure about all this because God really isn't that cool. Men say, well, we don't do it that way at work. And women say, oh, this is not an unfair categorization. Some women say, if I were God, I would have done it net. I would have done it differently. We have stiff necks. And we have hard hearts as a group. We need the attitude of humble submission as we are being sanctified. There's an old movie called The Junction City Boys where legendary coach Bear Bryant takes a losing Texas Aggie football team out into West Texas in the Junction City, and he's going to find out if they know about the activity of work and practice, and he's going to find out if they have an attitude that will submit to him and learn, if you would, the discipline of football. And he tests them, and he tries them, and he puts them through agony for the entire summer. What's sort of interesting yet disappointing is that the season that follows that, the record is one win and nine losses. But the season that follows that is undefeated, and there are several other seasons after that where they win the conference championship. They got it. And that's what God wants us to get. Humble yourself under his mighty hand, for he as it work in you to will and to act. It's a real attitude. It's sort of like being a tanker who is being trained by George Patton. Or it's like a preacher being trained to preach by Billy Graham. In both cases, we should be all ears and very little mouth. A lot of times, we're not all ears 
and we're a lot of mouth. Humble submission calls us to open wide our ears and open wide our heart and clasp our hand over our mouth and submit to the God who has saved us, to the God who is at work in us to work about his good pleasure. So equipped with the activity of discipleship and the attitude of humble submission, I propose we are going to have an anticipation for a mindset for 23, and that anticipation will be hope. What is God at will and at work doing? He's at work for his good purpose for you. What is the most important score in the football game? This is a final score. What is the most important score in your life? It's going to be the final score. Think about Psalm 103, where it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And forget not all of his benefits, for he, healed, for he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And he redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Our hope is because the reason that because God is at work in us, his purpose is that in the end, we will be crowned with love and compassion in the resurrection at Christ's return. That, if you would, is an anticipation for mindset 23. And whatever is good for God's glory is good for us. For in Isaiah 48, God says it this way, for my own sake, my own sake I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. And in Romans 8:28, for we know that in all things, no exceptions, God works for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Ultimately, God's glory is inextricably bound to our good. So when those three things come together, our activity, our attitude, and our anticipation, then we'll have that final thing we need for mindset 23. And that is an ambition. An ambition for mindset 23 is to be the light of the world. That we might shine, if you would, like stars in the sky. Shine in that place where we live. Some translations say we live in a dark uh, but this, this NIV says a warped and crooked generation. That's where we live. We live in a dark world, and I propose to you it's not getting brighter or lighter. It's getting darker. And the interesting thing is that that reality is the reality that says it is the best time to shine. The darker, the better. I remember, again, another military illustration a little overkill, but uh, there was a class on light discipline. The group was seated on a hill in bleachers, and a mile and a half away, 
there's another instructor. The uh, instructor on our hill, on the radio, tells the instructor on the other hill to have the individual light a cigarette with one match. It was a pitch black night, no moon. And as soon as that match was struck, you could see it. The darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness will not overcome the light. And Jesus has told us, with the right mindset in 23, we can be the light of the world. In fact, we are the light of the world. The light of the world that we have in us is the light of Christ and the light of the gospel. So what's the half-life of your New Year's resolutions? You know what half-life is? That's the amount of time it takes for the strength to dissipate 50%. You know, 24 hours, 48 hours a week. I don't think there's too many of us that have had a New Year's resolution really bring a revolution in our lives. The only one that really is going to bring a revolution in my life and your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10.20, it says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen? All right. I'm glad I've got your undivided attention. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in who? In Christ. So that the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen? amen. All right. Well, at least you're teachable. Wait, we're making progress. I'm glad you have a little bit of sense of humor this morning. So what I want to suggest to you by way of application is the outlines on page six. And uh, I'm sure the majority of my outlines have died in the trash can at the bottom, at the back of the sanctuary. What I suggest to you this morning is you take this outline and you use it as a prayer guide in the year ahead. And the prayer would be something like this, point three. I mean, point one, Lord Jesus, Help me become a better disciple. And then there's three more. Give it a try. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. God is faithful. Now, I have a story to tell you. I'm sort of triggered by the last hymn. It's one of my favorite hymns of all time. And uh, it's a true story, absolutely true. Years ago, as a pastor in another church at Town North, our music director was uh, doing graduate work at North Texas. And one of his instructors was named Rosemary. And she was uh, pursuing devout studies in Buddhism. She was moving towards deep Buddhist beliefs. And so he brought her to church one morning and uh, she said, I'm not really comfortable being here anywhere. And well, since she was a music instructor, 
He said, well, would you be comfortable singing in the choir? She said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Well, singing in the choir, she had sort of a front seat to the sermon I used to, when I preached, I'd actually preach to the choir. And they'd go, turn around the other way. And uh, we had the communion service. And uh, after the communion, or in the, between the elements, I don't recall what it was, we sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness, a hymn that had been written 70 years before. And during the singing of that hymn written by Thomas Chisholm, Rosemary Chisholm, who was sitting in the choir, realized that that hymn was written by her great uncle. And when she realized that her great uncle had written that hymn, she left the Buddha and fled to Christ. And the Christ that Thomas Chisholm had written about in that hymn had proved faithful. And that morning, in a bolt of divine, if you would, power or lightning, Rosemary moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. If you have not moved or been moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, this morning you need to hear the true heart message of the Bible, the promise that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And that is a faithful promise by the God of great faithfulness. Let us pray. Father in heaven, help us to have faith in your faithfulness, so much so that throughout 2023, every day, no matter what testing is occurring in our lives, we flee to you and we find your new mercies there every morning and we place our unchanging, unshakable hope in you. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.